What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I'm your host for today, Simon Villanos. And you know what? On this episode, we got a spotlight episode. And so here's how it works. On these spotlight episodes, we're going to talk about four teams. And usually it will almost always be four teams uh, that we just want to spotlight. So we're going to talk about the records, what they did last year, what they're doing this year. And then we're going to kind of predict the record, put on some players, highlight some players that have been doing some good things for those teams and whatnot, and uh, who are key to those teams as well. And so this way, we're able to cover more teams that we may not always get to cover in the recaps, or we didn't get to cover in the previews just because, you know, maybe they're not considered a contender, or we didn't consider them a contender at the time. But altogether, you know, it'll just be a good thing to spotlight these teams in Colorado, you know, uplift the talent in Colorado. And so on this episode, I got the Springs, Colorado Springs at that. And so I got four Colorado Springs teams here that were requested by y'all. And a lot of these spotlight episodes are, you know, they're, they're teams that... Y'all, the fans, have requested through TikToks or, D- or our DMs just saying like, hey, can you cover this team? Can you talk about this team? And so that's what we're doing. And so this is partially kind of a request episode in a way, or these will be request episodes in a way. So there you go. But these are all teams that you, the people, have asked for. And so on this episode, I got four Colorado Springs teams, all in kind of different places. Um, all of them except for one are 4A teams. The other one one is a 3A team and so let's go ahead and get into it here and talk about Rampart High School that's the first team we'll talk about here all right so the Rampart Rams let me go ahead and talk about how last year went down so they had a record of five and two but they barely missed the playoffs which was really interesting I don't I, I don't understand how they missed the playoffs here um but they did and so let me go ahead and go through their schedule here from last year. So uh, here are their dubs. You know, they won against Thornton 47-0, beat Mesa Ridge 28-6, Air Academy 49-0. They beat F- Fountain Fort Carson, I believe, I think, I want to say this is the first time, 17-14 to on October 5th, or sorry, November 5th. And then they beat Discovery Canyon 28 to 20. Their only two losses are interesting ones. Uh, so they lost against Vista Ridge, uh, 32 to 21. Or, or wait a second, that must be 32 to 31. Actually, sorry, in overtime. And then they lost to Fountain Fort Carson, 33 to 17. This was the second time they played. I. It was the COVID year, so a lot of weird things were going on. And so apparently Rampart played Fountain Fort Carson uh, two times in a row with like a week in between. And so whatever. Either way, they went 5-2. and two. Last, year te- last year's team was a very senior-heavy team. They had a lot of seniors on there. And so they lost a lot of players to graduation. Um, the best player in my opinion and probably the most key player to this rampart team from last year was kale cormani he ended up going to fort hayes i want to say he was their lead passer and rusher as uh their quarterback and safety and i want to say he led the team in interceptions as well and so 
he was an exceptional athlete at 6'3", 200. You don't just replace a Kale Cormani. You got to do that by committee. And so that's a pretty big loss as it is. And, you know, I have done a film breakdown on Kale Cormani if you want to check that out. Um... I'm not gonna lie, I don't know what episode it is because it was one of the first uh, film breakdowns or I guess request film breakdowns that we've done, that I've done, and so you could go back and look for that, but I did do a breakdown on his game, he is a heck of a natural uh, talent, he is somebody that they're gonna miss a lot, you know, because he really was their whole offense and part of their defense as well. Along with Kale, they are losing their lead receiver from last year, Luke Pavlika, I want to say. Um, and then on defense, they are losing nine of their top 11 tacklers, with six of those being uh, their top tacklers. So their top six tacklers were all seniors is what I'm trying to say here. So really at that point, when you are losing nine of your top 11 tacklers, that's basically the entire defense at this point. You are returning two players that were in that top 11. So that's not good. This also includes, the, in terms of the defensive players they're losing, this also includes their sack leader, C.J. Brown, who had five and a half sacks. Also, Dalton Slaughter, he had two and a half sacks. He graduated as well. And in addition, they are losing pretty much every single player who got an interception last year except for Rand Butler and so you're losing your sack leaders you're you're losing your tackle leaders you're losing your interception leaders not just interception leaders you're losing pretty much everyone who got an interception which is a lot so uh, that's that's kind of tough they're definitely I would say in a rebuilding year if I had to look at this rampart team before the season I'd be like okay Basically, you're losing your whole offense with Kale Cormani because they ran the offense through him. So that sucks as it is. But then you're losing your entire defense, which was a very solid squad last year. Uh, at the very least, a very productive squad last year. And so that's never an easy thing. Going into this year, you know, you got, in my opinion, too many holes. You got to uh, plug on defense. And then on offense... I mean, you almost got to run kind of a different offense here without a Kale Cormani who was the center of it all and, you know, caused a lot of success for your team being able to do what he did. So that's how last season went. And what I just talked about is honestly what I would be thinking going to this season before. I saw them play their games, but we are in the season, so let's go ahead and talk about the three games they have. These are the three games that they played ahead of their matchup versus Dakota Ridge uh, this Friday, September 17th, which Cody and myself will be at, and so we'll be able to get a closer look at Rampart, and then as well, we'll get to see Dakota Ridge, who we've covered a lot from breakdowns and all that stuff, so... There you go. But let me go ahead and talk about the record here. So they are 1-2 and two to start the year, but not the worst 1-2. There are definitely worse 1-2s. and twos. And so let me go ahead and uh, talk about each game here. So their first game, lost a close one to Skyline, 21-14. to That's kind of... Uh, look, Skyline is a team that is kind of rebuilding as well. They're losing some pieces, specifically Chase Silva and uh, Graydon Bridwell, who they are building around. And, you know, it kind of... It was going to take a minute for them to regain their footing. And so if they were to... If this Rampart team was to beat a Skyline... This was probably their best chance, but unfortunately, they just couldn't get it done. Um, I know there was some struggles at quarterback. 
So there you go. They lose a close one versus Skyline 21 to 14. Then they go ahead and play a Stanley Lake team that is better than what me and Cody expected, to be honest with you. And they are on our list of requests, but they play a Stanley Lake team and lose to them 37 to 25. Uh, their quarterback, Fulton Jackson, he is just a sophomore. But man, did he slaughter this Rams defense. And man, did the youngness and the youthfulness, I guess, of this uh, Rams defense really showed when they played against Fulton Jackson. Because Fulton Jackson went crazy. He went 4 for 6 for 139 passing yards and 3 passing touchdowns. He also ran 16 times for 112 yards and a touchdown. At that point, I mean, you're just, you're caught in a shootout. You know, if your defense can't stop, you know, one guy, which is kind of what it looks like, at least in the box score here, then you got a problem. You know, they couldn't stop the pass. They couldn't stop the run outside of Fulton Jackson, Cannon Frost. He also ran for 101 yards and a touchdown on six carries, including a 68 yard, uh, I want to say rushing touchdown or rush as well. And so... You know, that's not a good look. It shows how vulnerable this Rams defense is, which is something that we knew before going into the season. You know, it would have had to take someone to really step up and kind of be that leader and, you know, be kind of an impact player for this Rams defense for them to do better than what they did. But regardless, only one or only lost 37 to 25. That's a 12 point game, two score game. You know, more struggles at quarterback um Braden Sears he went only 13 of 25 that's a 52 percent completion rate which isn't great you know he also threw two interceptions and you know if you think about it hey I mean if you just score instead of throwing two interceptions then you're in the game you probably win the game to be honest with you as well you just have to hit one extra point and so that's kind of a tough game uh there and then after that, they go ahead and play Liberty. I mean, look, Liberty is just not a good team. I covered them earlier on in the season. This was the game they were going to win. I, I kind of thought it might have been a little bit closer just because I felt like both of these teams were at the same spot. But it just showed that Rampart's low is not the same as the Liberty's low as they go ahead and blast them 55-0 to to get their first stub of the season last week. And you know what? Go ahead and check out my boy, or my little brother actually, Joel Villanos. Um, we posted a part of his vlog last week. You could scroll on our Instagram page and find that. He was able to catch part of this game vlog and, you know, catch some of the vibes from this game. And I think it looks really good. And, you know, if you're someone from Colorado Springs as well, he also covers uh, Briarfest as well and you know he does a lot of things around here and so that'll be a that's a really fun person to follow if you are here from the spring so quick shout out to my little brother there uh joel voyanos voyanos visuals all right let me go ahead and get back on track though so one and two to start the season haven't lost a game by more than two scores uh which is good you know those that means those are winnable games and for a team like rampart that is kind of rebuilding you know they're a pretty young team at that you, you kind of just take that, you know, you take that and you build on that moving forward. Each game that they play this season is going to be a learning experience. And, you know, I think it's important for this team to remember that as they continue to grow, because I'm just going to be real at this point. 
I think they're a little outgunned, and you know, they have uh, a kind of a tough schedule here, but before I talk about their tough schedule, let me talk about some of the key players for this Rampart team, some players that I had my eyes on, uh, or that we had our eyes on beforehand, and have kind of, you know, showed as the season went on that they are important to this team, and for this team to win, they gotta do well, and so for me... I think the most important player on their team, or at least the most productive player on their team, is senior running back Logan Candelaria. He is a 5'8", 165-pound running back, but he has kind of taken over where uh, Kale Kermani's role was with this Rams offense. That role being, you know, the focal point of this offense and you know Logan he didn't have a bad year last year even with Kale Cormani you know having the majority of the touches being at quarterback passing rushing you know what have you uh Logan Nate last year you know he he put up some numbers and you know this year he's doing a lot of the same thing in his last year for this Rampart team which is a shame you know because I don't think this Rampart team is going to make like you know a state championship run or a Cinderella run or anything like that um, but, you know, Logan, he's having kind of a year for himself, so let me go ahead and talk about, you know, this season so far, and so, so far this season, he hasn't ran for less than 100 yards and a touchdown, and so this is kind of how his stats look like um, throughout this uh, season, so versus Skyline, he had 26 carries, 100 yards, a touchdown, Stanley Lake, 17 carries, 100 yards, and a touchdown. So, you know, similar stats, uh, different efficiency, though. And then again, Celebrity is when he really just, like, blew up, you know, and went crazy. On 17 carries, so the same number of carries he had against Stanley Lake, he had 211 rushing yards and five touchdowns, you know. That might be the most rushing yards any athlete has ran for this season, I want to say. I don't want to say it is the most, but I I want to say it's definitely up there. I know Sam Beers for Air Academy, which we'll talk about here later, had a similar stat line uh, last week. But, you know, that's definitely up there. And so Logan Candelaria, he has been a pretty, you know, a pretty, a pretty constant part of this Rams uh, offense for this Rams team in general, you know, and that's good. You know, they have a guy, they have a guy that could be productive and, you know, that causes for closer games than you'd have if you didn't have a Logan Candelaria type. And so for this Rams team to play well, I mean, Logan has to put up these kind of numbers, you know, anything less than a hundred yards and at least one touchdown a game will not be good enough. In fact, I kind of feel like he needs to score multiple touchdowns a game for this Rams team to have a chance at winning. Um, I feel like that's a lot of pressure, but that's just where this Rampart team is right now. They need Logan to be that guy, and he has shown that he, he can be that guy and is that dude. So, there you go. But let me talk about two juniors here that I feel like could potentially contribute and help bring this uh, Rampart team to the next level, if not be at least the future of this Rampart team next year. One of these juniors is a junior that actually DM'd us kind of a while ago. I want to say almost January or February, and that's wide receiver Roman Valdez. Uh, Roman, if you're listening to this, we have not forgotten you. In fact, we've just been waiting on a little bit more film uh, for your film breakdown. And unfortunately... <sighs> 
Rampart isn't exactly the greatest team when passing the ball, but don't get it twisted. Roman Valdez is definitely a talented receiver, I would say, you know, with really good athleticism as well. Currently, he's their lead receiver, which, you know, isn't saying a lot because he only has 77 yards on five catches and a touchdown on this season, uh, with the majority of that coming in their first game uh, in a close loss against Skyline. And so, look, I'm just going to keep it real. Being a receiver in a run-heavy offense that really has not attempted to open up the passing game. Like I said, you could go ahead and look at the Kale Cormani breakdown. I kind of got after the coaching staff. I said, look, how do you have a talent like Kale Cormani? And he basically puts up the same stats, rushing and passing, every single year since his sophomore year, almost showing no development, even though... Athletically, he is showing development. It's just you not opening up the playbook. And so I was pretty critical of that, you know, and I it just sucks because uh, Roman Valdez, I think, is a really good receiver who just he's just in the wrong system right now. You know, they're, I don't think they're using him right. I know they've kind of given him some carries here and there versus the Liberty game. I don't know what happened but he just had no touches at all he might have been hurt you know i think that's something that is very realistic you know he could have been hurt i'm not sure about that but he just didn't get any touches and that's that's really interesting to me regardless though touches coaching schemes all that stuff roman valdez is somebody that i wouldn't be surprised uh if he emerged as their second offensive threat you know, of course, for that to happen, their passing offense would have to be much better and whatnot. But, you know, if their passing offense took that step forward, I think Roman would be a big part of that being kind of the speedy technical receiver that he is. And I feel like he could take a lot of pressure off of Logan Candelaria, you know. Score some touchdowns here and there. Roman actually had a really nice touchdown against Skyline where he just... Oh my god, he just burnt the defense, to be completely honest with you. And this Skyline team, they definitely have some athletes over there, so it's not like they're trash or anything like that. And so, there you go. I think Roman Valdez, if the passing game was to open up, like in an efficient way, obviously, he could be a big part of this team. He's somebody that I see as a great athlete, and, you know, he could potentially contribute a little bit more to this team as the season goes on. Speaking of the passing game... The other junior that I feel like will be key to this Rampart team is their quarterback, Brayden Sears. Now, there's definitely potential here, but the coaching staff needs to realize he is not Kale Cormani. He has struggled with interceptions throughout this whole season, um, which I feel like might be making the coaching staff a little hesitant to put in more faith and effort into the passing game which if i'm you know advising the coaches i would say that you put your faith and effort into the passing game because you know you could run the ball with logan candelaria that's i mean that's easy you know he'll he'll give you 100 yards a couple of touchdowns a pop right but you gotta help him out you know and i think not only for logan but for brayden as well if you open up this passing game it'll help develop brayden as well eventually you just gotta get to the point where you're like screw it you know we're gonna do what we gotta do to win and if we have a couple of turnovers here or there as long as we learn from them 
I, I, I can live with the mistakes, you know. These are mistakes that you just kind of have to live with, you know. And so, with Brandon Sears, I feel like he's somebody that could probably pass the ball a little bit more than Kale here. Uh, he's not as fast as Kale. He's not as big as him. But I feel like he is maybe a little bit of a better passer than him. Maybe a little bit more of an accurate passer than him. And so, with that being said... Stop calling so many read options. I, I, it'll work, you know, it'll work sometimes, but you just can't be calling so many read option plays. You gotta have some good passing plays here that Braden is comfortable with uh, on multiple, you know, in multiple different situations and scenarios. You can't just have first and second down type of passing plays. You gotta have third down passing plays. You have to have second and long passing plays. Third and long passing plays. You, you gotta you gotta be prepared is what I'm trying to say here. But also, Braden, you being the starting quarterback for this Rampart team, you gotta clean up your game. You know, this offense hasn't been clicking as well as it could. And it definitely could be clicking a lot better, you know. Um, his best game was against Stanley Lake. I would say, you know, that's where he threw the most passing yards and passing touchdowns, I want to say. But he did also throw two costly picks. You know what? If you take away those interceptions, you're in a better spot to win the game at the very least. Uh, even if you don't score, you're in a better spot. They're not turnovers. That might be taking away points from that Stanley Lake team as well, but not giving them good field position. And so, got to clean up the game for this Rampart team to take that next step forward. Braden Sears, I think he just needs to play better. That's just what it comes down to. And they got to find that passing game, too. It's just not on him. You know, the coaching staff, they got to find this passing game. You got to expand your game to more than a Logan Candelaria at this point. You got to think about the future, about next year as well. What kind of offense you want to run and where do you want your quarterbacks and, you know, skill players to be when Logan isn't there. So, there you go. Uh, I'm not going to talk about the defense here. I, I look through their stats, you know, and I look through the, I guess, a little film that they have as well. There weren't many players that really, like, just jumped off the page here to me as a, I, I don't know, as, like, a great defensive player. And, you know, if you look at their defense this season, I, I mean, they're not bad, but they, they could definitely be better. That's Stanley Lake team. They're a quality team. And so that game I'm kind of using a lot as a measuring stick here for this Rampart team. And, you know, allowing 37 points. And it's not even like 37 points like, you know, one person. Or, sorry. <laughs> it's not even like 37 points where, like, they get beat one way. Like, you know, they the other team was just able to run the ball all over them it's like 37 points where they were able to pass it on you they're able to run it on you they really were able to do whatever you want and so look if you're a rampart player on this defense you gotta pick it up all of you you know because i first off one person doesn't make the entire defense it takes a unit you know um you help each other out is what i'm trying to say here and so that's really all i could say about that I think their strength is definitely their offense, if I had to say, as they do put up decent numbers on the board. You know, not bad numbers, but decent enough numbers for a rebuilding team. And so, with all of that being said, talking about last year, this year, key players, let me go ahead and predict how their season will go down. And so, I'm just going to keep it 100 
this is not their year. This is not the year they make the playoffs. This is not the year they go to state. It's just not, you know. This is a year where you find yourself, where you grow, where you get better after each game. And then maybe you pull off some upsets here at the end here. Uh, some dubs here at the end here. But I'm just going to say this is just not their year. And that's okay. You know, I didn't expect it to be their year anyways. And, you know, just the way I see it with the way this season I started at 1 and 2. Uh, you know, just not the greatest start. And so it just kind of confirms what I was believing before this season. And so going into this year, the rest of this year, that is, there's going to be a lot of growing pains. And honestly... The only way they can turn around this season is if the passing game is developed. But to be honest, if they couldn't do that for Kale, like, you know, through three years, four years, I have a hard time seeing them develop a efficient passing game for Braden here in less than one season. And so that's just where I'm at right now. As far as matchups go, let me go ahead and break down the rest of their schedule here. So uh, they played Dakota Ridge tonight. At least tonight when this episode is coming out. So September 17th. Uh, like I said, Cody and I will be there. That's not a game they're going to win. I'm just going to be real. It's Coda Ridge. They are a team that we picked to go to state. If not win state at this point. And you know, they have a lot of talent. You know, just to name out the their big three. At least in our opinion, their big three. You got Dante Capolongo. He's a speedster. Probably the fastest dude. Or at least one of the fastest dudes in the entire state. Plays wide receiver corner. You got Noah Triplett running back. Uh, man, he might be the second fastest dude or okay I, i'm not going to disrespect him like that he might be faster than dante he might be faster than dante but he's definitely up there he has been tearing it apart this season first starting it off in florida in florida they got some good teams they played a good team in first coast and Noah trip that burnt them and then they go ahead and play some other teams here and he's been doing the same thing uh as far as averages go I don't think he's averaged less than 150 total yards. That's between rushing and catching because he could do both. And maybe three touchdowns a game or two or three touchdowns a game. And so that's just who he is. He's probably the best running back in the state, uh, if not one of the best running backs in the state. So there you go. And then you got Stephen Graves as well. He's an underrated quarterback. I don't see this Rampart defense stopping that team at all. In fact... This Dakota Ridge team, they're averaging around 40 to 50 points a game. I would expect them to hit that number with an inexperienced defense. The best case scenario for Rampart tonight is if they get into a shootout, a crazy shootout that is, you score a bunch of points, you run it up, and it just comes down to who has the ball last. I think that's their best chance there. Fortunately, though, uh, <laughs> their schedule doesn't get easier, at least immediately, as they go ahead and play Vista Ridge, the other team that we actually picked to go to state and probably win it. Now, they don't have Dom Nichols. Maybe he's available by the time he's there. I don't know. You know, I honestly don't know. But even without Dom, Vista Ridge is a good team. They have the number one quarterback in the state. I think all-time-wise, he's the second-highest-rated quarterback uh, all the time next to Dylan McCaffrey. So, yeah, that's really that's really all I gotta say there. These two games versus the, the, the versus the Ridges, Dakota and Vista, are not gonna be easy games. They are bona fide contenders. 
great programs. Uh, well, I could say this about Dakota Ridge. Dakota Ridge probably has the best coaching staff in the entire state, or at least one of the best coaching staffs in the state, led by Coach Woj over there. So, you know, they have arguably better coaches. Vista Ridge is probably a little bit more on par with Rampart, to be completely honest with you. So there you go. But they still have more talent, though. After that, they get a little bit of a break. They play Fruit of Monument now. I'm not going to lie. Cody and I kind of... We, we did we may not have rated Fruit of Monument as well as we did talking about other teams that would play them um, you know going into this season obviously those teams are in our preview so most of them are contenders or you know good playoff teams but uh, Fruta isn't that bad Fruta Monument isn't that bad I would say they are better than expected this year. Now, they lost a close one to Montrose. You know, I believe that might have been a one-score game. And, you know, Montrose went ahead and, like, blasted Durango out of nowhere almost. And Durango was a team that we had as a really good playoff team, you know, at the 3A level. But they, they would compete with a lot of 4A teams. And so, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, at that point, we're going like, oh, well, I'm going off of this game and this game. You know, not an actual... No, at least not off of actual matchups as of right now. And so with that being said, I'm just going to go ahead and say I think Fruna Monument closely wins this game. I think they probably win this game, but it'll be a close one over Rampart. Honestly, I kind of feel like this is a game that could go either way. You know, Rampart having played a very talented and well-coached Dakota Ridge team and then playing a talented Vista Ridge team you know they'll be battle hardened by this point and so uh food of monument there are they're not one of those two teams and so this should be an easier matchup hopefully they did a lot of growing in those last two games but you know it kind of just depends but i think rampart drops this game it'll be a close one but you know it is what it is that's it will be an exciting game at least i would say i think this will be an exciting game after that, they play Coronado. Coronado is a fellow rebuilding team here in the Springs, but I think Rampart has more talent than them, in my opinion. So they get the dub here. <laughs> not going to talk about that too much longer. I just think they get the dub here. Now their next three games, they play Fountain Fort Carson, Mesa Ridge, who we're going to talk about here later, and Pueblo West. These three teams, in my opinion, are much more talented and are very well coached. They might be able to have one close one between these three teams. But I'd be surprised if Rampart wins any of these games. Each of these teams are teams like Cody and I predicted. Well, maybe not Mesa Ridge because we haven't talked about them yet. But we have them predicted as playoff teams. Mostly, you know, mostly dark horse teams. At that, I would say, you know, you look at Fountain for Carson, Mesa, uh, Pueblo West. They're... I don't know, they're just, these three teams are like the definition of dark horse teams, and so I I just don't think Rampart is on that level quite yet, and so with that being said, the final predicted record I have for Rampart is 2-8, this is a rebuilding season for Rampart, they need to get things figured out for next year. Because they play too many tough teams, you know, in my opinion. Vista Ridge, Bouncing Fort Carson, Dakota Ridge. These are all teams that we have as, you know, potential contenders. Well, Vista and Dakota for sure. Bouncing Fort Carson as a dark horse. Um, you know, 
contender, but still, these are teams that could make deep playoff runs. Even with Kale Kormani last year, um, like being on this team for this year, this would have been a pretty tough schedule, I would say. I, 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 even if they had Kale, I don't think they beat Vista. I don't think they beat Fountain for Carson. I don't think they beat Dakota Ridge. And you know what? There's no shame in a rebuilding season for all the young players over at Rampart. My advice to you, learn from every game. You got to get better, at least 1% better every single game. To the seniors over there, Logan Candelaria, uh, our boy Zach. I got to shout out our boy Zach over there as well. He just joined the football team. I mean, it's your senior year, but I would say enjoy it. You know, each game, there's things to take away from. Have fun with it. You know, high school football is a special thing. Not everyone gets to play it. Not everyone gets to enjoy it. Winning or losing, there are good moments. And uh, I encourage you to find those small moments in between games um, that you really like. And honestly, there are probably a couple more games I think will win here. I think I'm a little, a little pessimistic, a little safe with my predictions. But that's just how I see it right now. With how the season has been going. You know, maybe they win that Fruita Monument game. Maybe they upset, you know, uh, Fountain Fort Carson, Mesa Ridge, Pueblo West. Prevent them from making the playoffs. That'd be a really cool storyline. Really cool thing for sure. You know, for these Rampart players. But, this is just how I see it right now. And so, that's Rampart. That's kind of... I don't know, that's, that's, that's their spotlight, you know, that's how I see their 2021 season going, next year will be interesting, with another heavy senior team, we'll see uh, how well that team does, but uh, yeah, there you go, coming up next, we're going to talk about another Colorado Springs team, or a team, you know, pretty close to the Springs, coming up next. Alright, right here, we got the Air Academy Cadets. Now, I don't know. I, I think I think Air Academy, the U.S. Air Force Academy, that's in Colorado Springs. I consider that in the Springs. So, you know, that's what we're going off of uh, for this spring spotlight. But let me go ahead and talk about this Air Academy team here. Let me talk about their season last year. So, last year, played in the fall, went 1-5, 0-4 in league. Their only dub was against Liberty to start the season. Beat them 50-20, so not even close. And then they didn't score again until their last game against Coronado, where they lost 34-21. to So a pretty tough season. You had a lot of losses on this season here. And so I'm not going to talk really about the losses from last season, but I'm going to talk about the players they did lose um going into this season so the seniors they graduated now in terms of players they lost they lost pretty much every receiver who caught a touchdown uh outside of sam beers so that sucks that's it's a lot of talent to be losing they're losing uh their number one receiver and their lead tackler on the team i want to say it's arian burr watch this just be aaron burr that'll be hilarious but Arian Burr, I want to say, he was their number one receiver and tackler. They're also losing uh, Giovanni Del, Del Pontene, I want to say. He was their second receiver and second in tackles. Uh, Jamon Erig, he was the third receiver. Luke Farrington, their fourth. Um, and then they are also losing seven 
of their top 11 tacklers. That's not as bad as uh, Rampart, obviously, but that's the majority of their defense. That is not an easy thing to replace going into this next year. But with that being said, you know, to start this year, they have a little bit of an easier schedule where they can figure out some of those spots, you know. Uh, one thing is for certain, they have Sam Beers, who's an absolute stud. We'll talk about him later, though. But to start this year, this year they are currently 3-0 ahead of this Coronado game on September 17th. And so they're three dubs. Let me go ahead and go over their schedule here. You know, they got a win over Liberty 34-14, to I believe. I covered that in that first week recap, actually. I want to say they only played three quarters in that game before, you know, a storm ended that game or something like that. Then they go ahead and play wide field, uh, win a close one against them, 20-14. to 14. Now, I did a breakdown, or a spotlight, sorry, on the I-25 League. That includes Liberty, Whitefield, Palmer, Shine Mountain, Falcon, all of those teams. And I said, I predicted this game being a close one. I still gave it to Air Academy you know and so that's what happened 20 to 14 then they played palmer and they blasted them 53 to 0 i predicted that as well well i actually predicted palmer not winning a game uh this last year but you know got a good dub against mitchell i'll give them that either way though palmer on everyone's schedule that's probably an easy dub and so air academy they get their easy dub ahead of their showdown with coronado uh tonight september 17th now, this 3-0 start is not exactly unexpected. If I was to look at their, you know, if I was to look at their schedule, which I was able to just by covering the I-25 League, I would say that, you know, these first four games are probably easy dubs, except for that wide field game probably, but they're probably easy dubs for this Air Academy team. So, no surprises here. But before I get ahead of myself and talk about the rest of their schedule, let me talk about the key players that have been contributing uh, this season at the very least. So their most important player on their team is absolutely Sam Beers. He's, he's their junior running back, 5'10", 190. He's the heart and soul of this offense, probably the heart and soul of this um, whole team here at that. And he's probably their most exceptional player. You know, he's somebody who will probably get you know d1 looks i would expect him to get d1 looks here and there he is somebody who is a next level player plain and simple you know he has been requested a couple of times especially when we did running backs last year um but obviously last year we were doing seniors and sam was a sophomore last year but you know he's definitely on a schedule moving forward uh next year going into his senior year i i'm Okay, I don't want to guarantee it, but I could almost guarantee it that he'll be on our top five seniors running backs list. Probably one of the top backs, like, you know, top three or so, because he's just that talented. With all of that in mind, let me go ahead and talk about his stat line uh, so far through these three games. So against Liberty, only played three quarters, but had 14 rushes for four touchdowns. Um, oh, sorry, 186 rushing yards as well. Almost forgot that part. His longest run was a 76-yard run. Against Widefield, he had 28 rushes for 129 yards, two touchdowns. Now, his longest run was only 14. Uh, that still shows efficiency, though. 28 for 129 and two touchdowns. That's not bad. Against Palmer, 
Now, I, I know I said, you know, when talking about Candelaria in the last uh, segment, talking about Rampart, that he might have been one of the top rushers, you know, in, in, in the state. And he probably still is and uh, might have had the highest number of rushing yards, you know, in the state in a game so far this season. But it's definitely Sam Beers against Palmer. He rushed 15 times. For 291 rushing yards, 6 touchdowns, his longest was a 75-yard run. And so, that's uh, Sam Beers, you know. He is arguably the best running back in the Springs, no doubt about that. Now, you look at the, you know, opposing teams that he's played and whatnot, and you can make an argument like, ah, it's a Liberty, Widefield, Palmer. Widefield maybe has 4 games at most that they win. Liberty and Palmer aren't going to win a game. And I could say that because I predicted them not winning a game. So, there you go. You know. But, stats don't lie. He still put them up. And someone has to put them up. You know. And if everyone could do it, then everyone would be running for almost 300 yards against Palmer. So, there you go. But Sam Beers, he is the heart and soul of this team. Of this offense. You know, he may, he is the offense for Air Academy. Let's just say that. Outside of Sam, there's definitely a drop-off. Uh, the only two other people I want to talk about are linebackers. So, senior off, or sorry, senior outside linebacker and fullback Malachi Ray. Um, currently leads the team. 21 tackles. Not bad through three games. Then you have junior outside la- linebacker slash tight end uh, Chase Corbat. He is right behind uh, Malachi here with 19 tackles. Also leads the team with tackles for losses with three. Both of these players, I think, contributed to this Air Academy team last year. So, you know, there you go. They're going to probably have a good production, good productive season uh, this year, have good production. So, not exactly unexpected. Uh, you know, they'll put in work. They'll give some teams some fits here and there. Because obviously, I mean, you look at some of these scores here. Uh, someone has to play good defense to prevent these other teams from scoring. More than Sam Beers, that is. And these two are kind of leading that charge. Like I said, you got to consider the teams they have been playing. But this defense has only allowed an average of 7 points a game. Um, part of that being because against the Liberty and Widefield, each team scored 14 points against them, and then Palmer scored zero. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt, but stats are stats. There you go. Let me go ahead and predict this season for Air Academy. Let me talk about how this goes down. So, Sam Beers, in my opinion, will have a record-setting season for Air Academy. He starts raking in college offers. That is, if he, you know, isn't already committed to go to the Air Force and whatnot. But he starts raking in a lot more college offers if he hasn't already. That's what I predict. And then, you know, this Air Academy team. I'm gonna go ahead and spoil it. I predict this team going five and five. And I feel like this is probably the absolute best scenario for them if they go 5-5. Five and five. So let me go ahead and talk about the rest of their schedule here. So um, tonight, I do believe they play Coronado uh, September 17th, 7 p.m. And I think this should be a solid test, but I think they go ahead and squeak out a close win. Sam probably has one of those great games that he always has, you know, and he turns it all the way up and he does his thing. So I think they get a good dub against Coronado here. And then 
Air Academy probably has one of the hardest five game stretches ooh, I've ever seen of any team of any schedule that I've looked at this season or last season at that. I'm just going to go ahead and list it out. So they play Cheyenne Mountain, Ponderosa, Vista Ridge, Palmer Ridge, and then Montrose. All five of these games are going to be L's. <laughs> and I don't know how close they will be. Um, if you really want me to explain it, I will. So Cheyenne Mountain, Cheyenne Mountain could pass the ball. And they have a lot of good receivers. They have good running backs. They have a solid defense. I think they're a more complete team than Air Academy who could really only run the ball and play good defense. Now, unfortunately, I don't think their defense will stack up great against a Shine Mountain team that will give you a bunch of different looks here. So, I have Shine Mountain winning that one. Ponderosa, I just think they're a better team. Cody says they're a great program. They've always been a pretty solid and good program. Uh, I think they're a little bit more complete. Now, maybe they beat them. Maybe. I'll throw that out there. But I don't think they will. And so, I think they go ahead and take that out. Vista Ridge and Palmer Ridge. I mean, I picked Vista Ridge to win state. Even if they did get blown up by Pine Creek. Palmer Ridge, that's another team. They're 3-0 right now. They're kind of rolling. I think they're finding their confidence with their young quarterback, Derek Hester. That's not a, that's, that wasn't going to be an easy game anyways. But now that you have a confident Derek Hester over there, I think that's a game that you have no chance of winning. Oh, okay, okay. I shouldn't say no chance. I should say you don't have the highest chance of winning. The chance that you do have of winning will be Palmer Ridge, you know, just playing down to you, having like five or four turnovers here, and then you capitalizing on each one. I think that's the only way that Air Academy has a chance at beating Palmer Ridge. But either way, those two games versus the Ridges, Vista Ridge, Palmer Ridge, you're not going to win those. Montrose, already talked about them. Um, I have them beating Rampart. I think Rampart is similarly built just like air academy but air academy doesn't have as many players or as diverse a you know a poor talent on offense so with that being said i think montrose easily ends that one their next dub i would say is against heritage to be completely honest with you i'm not even sure about giving them this dub but if they were to beat Heritage, it won't be an easy game like your first three. This is a game where you got to be on your game for you to beat them, I would say. And so all of that together brings Air Academy to a final 5-5 five five predicted record. Uh, I think this is probably the best case scenario. You know, maybe they make the playoffs as a fringe team because they do have a really hard schedule and that might help them out in the RPI. But five and five, I mean, they have to go five and five. I think that's the best case scenario here. I'd be surprised if they finished higher, to be honest with you. And to be completely real with you, with you this is absolutely like the hardest schedule they've ever had in like the history of Air Academy. Uh, they got a lot of showdowns, you know. First off, you got the ridges, Vista Ridge, Palmer Ridge. I mean, throwing Dakota Ridge, I guess that's the only way you make it harder. But those two teams are difficult as is. You know what Palmer Ridge is. You know what Vista Ridge is going to be. 
oh man, that's tough, you know. And then the other three games are against extremely well-ran and established programs, I would say, like Cheyenne Mountain, Ponderosa, Montrose, who are all probably legitimate playoff teams. And so, I, I mean, those five games, I just don't think are winnable games at all. To be completely real with you, um, for any Air Academy team, not just this one, but for any Air Academy team, I'll be real. This last realignment, <laughs> this last, this last realignment hurts Air Academy a lot. I'll just say that switching into the 4A Southern One League almost guarantees them to be at the bottom of, of that league with the likes of Ponderosa, Vista Ridge, Palmer Ridge, Montrose, Heritage. That's who they have to compete against every single year. I don't think they really belong in this league, to be real with you. And that's fine. You know, if you look at their schedules from the last couple years, they play teams from the I-25 league. Like, you know, I'm talking about Widefield, Falcon, uh, those Liberty, those kind of teams, right? I feel like this Air Academy team probably should have been a part of this I-25 League team. I don't know if they had any say in it or if they decided they wanted to be a part of this Southern, you know, 1-4-A League. I, either way, I think that's probably the wrong decision here. They should be in the I-25 League with, where they're playing other teams kind of like their level. Um, unfortunately, they're in a league with, like, two or three teams here that could probably you know be a state contender almost every single year uh just switch you know i'm mean, just rotated pick one one of them will be a state contender almost every single year and so that's tough and so air academy finishing five and five i think they should be thankful for that record because i don't think they'll ever finish higher than that as long as they're in this league so there you go sam beers he'll be fun to watch though We'll see how he stacks up against uh, really good talent here like Cheyenne Mountain. I know they have some big boys, Ponderosa. They have a solid defense. Vista Ridge and Palmer Ridge both have good defenses. Montrose definitely has a good defense. They show that against Durango by shutting down all of their athletes over there. And so it'll be interesting to see how Sam Beers uh, plays against some of these better teams here. It'll probably help his stock at the end of the day, which is, you know, why I'm saying if he has a record-breaking season, which I feel like he will, um, you know, I don't see why he won't... I don't know. I, I don't see how he won't be getting all these uh, college offers to play on the next level, whether it's D1 or D2, you know, because I guarantee you there will be college scouts at Vista Ridge's game, Palmer Ridge's game, well, I can't guarantee that, but there probably will be guys who will keep an eye on those games because they'll be looking at players on those other teams already. So, there you go. But uh, let's go ahead and move on. We are going to go ahead and talk about our only 3A team here on this Colorado Springs Spotlight coming next. Alright, so the 3A team I want to talk about here is the Sand Creek Scorpions. Now, this is a pretty intriguing team here, if I do say so myself. Let me go ahead and talk about last year. So, actually, they played in the spring versus a lot of 2A teams. Uh, that's kind of where they're at. They labeled it 3A, but 
I mean, they were in the same division with a whole ton of 2A teams. I'm talking Faith Christian, Northfield, uh, TCA, those type of deals there. And so in the spring, you know, they they did pretty well against these 2A teams. As you know, you could probably expect. They won 6-2, and two, made the playoffs. Uh, they I want to say they beat Basalt, actually, 27-22, to 22, but got blown out by TCA, 39-13. to 13. Obviously, TCA went on to go to state. Now, let me go ahead and talk about their dubs here. So, beat Faith Christian, 12-7. Beat Northfield, 49-8. Beat Denver West, 48-0. Littleton, 49-0. Uh, Kent Denver, 42-0. Basalt, their playoff game, 27-22 in a close one. Then they lost, or sorry, and then their their L's, their losses uh, from uh, this last spring season was against the Academy in a close one, 30-28. And then obviously they lost to TCA, 39-13. And so that's how last season went. To give a little bit more perspective here, though, uh, the previous season, the previous like normal season they had in the fall, uh, they went 0-10. So <laughs> I'm not going to talk about a lot of that because this is definitely a different team um, from that 0-10 team. So going into this year, let me go ahead and talk about that. Only played two games so far going into their matchup with Palmer uh, tonight, I want to say, on September 17th. At 7 p.m., so Sand Creek versus Palmer, they will be playing their third game there. So they've only played two games. In those two games, they're one and one, you know. And so their first game was against Cheyenne Mountain, which is not an easy team, actually. Um, for Cheyenne Mountain, I said this game might be a close one, and you know this would be a good opportunity for Sand Creek to steal one. Unfortunately, they lost by two scores, 29 to 16, uh, which isn't bad. And when you really look at the game, they honestly just played a very, very sloppy offensive game, uh, despite it being only a two-score game. Caleb Cruz, their quarterback, he threw two interceptions, but they also played like three different quarterbacks in this game um, that combined for 15 passing attempts, which is kind of a lot. You know, so what I, I don't know. I don't know what the story was there, but they did play three different quarterbacks, which I feel like kind of hurt their chances of winning the, the the game, you know, by not having a quarterback back there. Well, well, by not having a consistent quarterback back there as in only one back there for the whole game. So I don't know. I, I don't know what was going on there, but uh, that's kind of tough. They also lost the fumble, so they had three turnovers that game. I mean, shoot, you could still have one turnover, and you still probably would have been, you know, in the running in uh, playing a close game against a closer game against Cheyenne Mountain and potentially winning. You know, if you take away two turnovers, I think you're in a better spot. So there you go. So that's kind of a tough loss there, uh, but they bounced back. And they beat Pueblo Centennial 34-14. Uh, in this game, they rolled with only one quarterback in Caleb Cruz. And they only had one turnover this game. And so, obviously, played a cleaner game. Got the blowout against a team that's not as good as them. That's a, that's a good sign there. Now, before I talk about the rest of their season, let me talk about the players on this Sand Creek squad. Now, I think their most important player is easily Caleb Cruz, their senior quarterback. Uh, first off, had a phenomenal spring season, throwing 21 touchdowns to 8 interceptions. Now, 
versus Basalt, he only attempted 10 passes, which leads me to believe he got hurt, which is why he didn't play against TCA, and maybe if he did play against TCA, that's a different game there. That's Well, it is a different game there if he plays against TCA. Now, I'm not going to lie, even though he threw 21 touchdowns, 8 interceptions, last year he was still pretty sloppy taking care of the ball. You know, 8 interceptions, that's not exactly... I would say a low amount, you know, that's that's pretty high, especially in a lot of games where you're blowing out the other team. For you to throw that many interceptions in games that you're already winning, I I don't know, not, not probably not the best sign going into this season, but even going into the season, I was still pretty high on him. You could listen to that I-25 League spotlight slash preview that I made, you know, I talked a little about a little bit about Caleb Cruz when talking about Cheyenne Mountain and their matchup with Sand Creek. I said I like the quarterback. I think he's talented, but he does throw a lot of interceptions. And so if they capitalize off of those, then they probably win that game. So, yeah. But going into this year, it kind of looks like things haven't changed. You know, at least things quite haven't changed yet. As he has thrown three touchdowns to three interceptions. Now, he's a talented quarterback. But he needs to clean up his game. He needs to be more efficient for this to work out. I think the only way for Sand Creek to really make the playoffs and, you know, be successful and find success is if Caleb Cruz cleans up his game. And I know he could sling it. You know, he has a great arm. Um, there's a lot of things I like about it. Now, I'm not going to do a whole film breakdown right here, right now on Caleb Cruz. But I probably will eventually. Um, he just needs to clean up his game, though. Three touchdowns to three interceptions, that's way too much. You know, you can't have bad throws. You can't be making bad decisions there. You got to clean, clean up your game to put your team in a better position to win. Now, the other guy on this offense is junior running back Keith Reddicks. I believe last year um, he was able to put in some work as well. So, no surprises here as he currently leads the team in rushing with 144 yards and two touchdowns on 30 total carries on the season. Uh, had a very good game against Pueblo Centennial with 97 yards and two touchdowns. Now, that's a back you could probably rely on. You know, if you play a clean game, then you give Keith here a couple more opportunities to score, as well as yourself in the offense, too. On the defensive side of the ball, you know, they definitely got some guys over here. They have, I want to say it's Omal Alexandri. Uh, second on the team with tackles with 17. They have junior safety Chris Hodge. Currently leads the team with 22 tackles, two tackles for losses, which is pretty good, you know. And he's also a solid part of this offense as well. I believe he's one of the uh, top receivers here for Caleb Cruz here. Then you have sophomore defensive end Haziah Rapp. He has three and a half sacks through two games, which is really good. You know, and early on, he's showing that, you know, at 6'3", 180, he could be a little bit of a presence, you know, and has a has the potential to be a really good contributor to this team as a pass rusher. And so this defense isn't bad either. Now, I know I skipped over this, but notice how I didn't talk about any players they lost, and that's because they are returning a lot of their players from last year. And even then, you know, this is still a very young team. Caleb Cruz uh, is the only senior. Well, I don't think he's the only senior, but he's one of the only seniors here that at least I see as a key contributor to the Sand Creek football team here. And so with that being said, this team will go as far as Caleb Cruz allows them to go. You know, they have potential here. It could be a very interesting team. I think they'll make the playoffs. But I, I'm 
well, I don't know. It'll, it'll be interesting to see how they approach these next couple games here. I don't think a lot of these games are exactly guaranteed, but, you know, let me go ahead and talk about them. So, they play Palmer tonight, September 17th. They should win against Palmer. I, I'd be surprised if they lose against them. In fact, if they lose this game, there are a lot of red flags about the consistency of Caleb Cruz and this offense if they lose this game. Um... Because they just have more pieces. Sand Creek has more pieces and legitimate ones at that than Palmer. And so there's no reason they should lose this one unless they give them the game. And so they should find their footing against them. And so I, I feel like they beat Palmer. I'm just going to go ahead and say that. Then they play Littleton next week. Once again, I mean, they should beat Littleton. If Thornton could blow out a Littleton, which, you know, I feel like Sand Creek is a better team than Thornton, then Sand Creek should be able to blow out Littleton. So, there you go. Uh, and then they play Pueblo Central. Now, I could see this being a dub and a convincing one at that, but this might be a close game. And it would depend how they respond battling against Central's two running backs who both have like over 200 something rushing yards and a couple touchdowns. They're both really talented and they're going to be a handful against teams that play good defense and run the ball. There's no room for mistakes. So I'm just going to go ahead and have them losing close one here. If they have like two or three turnovers, I don't know if that's a game they exactly win. Then they go ahead and play DCC. Uh, right now, I don't think Sand Creek is good enough to beat DCC. DC, DCC doesn't make a lot of mistakes. You know, they're well coached, too. Um, and so by this point, if the turnovers stop, then I think Sand Creek will be in a good spot to compete and be in a competitive game against DCC. But they'd still be the underdogs as DCC is a tough team with a lot of talent. I think they lose this one regardless, um, regardless of whether it's close or not. You know, I think they lose this one. Now, these next three games they play, Mitchell, Harrison, Sierra are all going to be dubs. I'm going to predict them as dubs. I hesitated, honestly, to put Harrison on here, but the way they've been playing, the way I've seen them play against, you know, against TCA Live and against other teams, I don't know if, uh, I don't know. I don't know if Harrison beats Sand Creek. You know, that might be their closest game. Um, yeah, I, I would say that would be their closest game, to say the least. But altogether, I think Sand Creek has a better squad. They definitely have the better quarterback in Cruz. And so I think you could even have turnovers against these teams and still beat them by a lot. So three dubs right off the bat. Mitchell, Harrison, Sierra. There you go. Then they play Durango, I want to say, to end the season. Uh, you know, I'd be surprised if they win this game. But that's okay. You know, I have them losing to Durango here. I'm not going to go too deep into that. Durango is a good team. So to end the season, 6-4, and four, which isn't a bad record. I think because of their strength of their schedule, it should help them in, you know. Um, but as a, as a lower seed, for sure. When I said strength of schedule, I meant like they don't have the hardest schedule. You know, they kind of have an easier schedule compared to some other teams in the state. And so... I think they win enough games to make it into the playoffs, but, you know, if you want to get into, you know, the toughness of those games and how competitive they are, uh, that's probably going to go against them. Durango's their hardest team on their schedule by a long shot, but we'll, we'll see. You know, I think 6-4, and four, they have to go at least 6-4 and four to make the playoffs. 
even if they did make the playoffs, so I think they're probably a one and done team. If I'm just gonna be completely honest with you, but I'm gonna go ahead and open this door here and keep this door open as I exit my way out and talk about this last team here. I could see a universe where Caleb Cruz goes crazy, cleans up the turnovers, averages like three or four passing touchdowns or just three or four touchdowns a game. And, you know, this could be a potential Cinderella Dark Horse team on the 3A level that could upset at least one team. And then from there, you never know. So I'm going to leave that door open. But that all depends on Caleb Cruz. I don't think this roster is strong enough as a unit to, like, you know, carry Caleb Cruz's mistakes and their own as well. So keeping that door open. And I'm going to go ahead and walk into this next one and talk about our last team here and probably the dark horse team to look out for. And that is Mesa Ridge coming up next. All right, what's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner podcast. We got our last team that we're going to talk about here for our spring spotlight and that is mesa ridge now mesa ridge i am gonna be real has been requested at least a million times on our like 3a and 4a tiktoks it's actually insane here and you know it's for good reason here you know this was a team that i was really interested in beforehand before the season started but you know obviously they just didn't make our cut as far as contenders went playoff teams went so this is a perfect opportunity to talk about mesa ridge here but before we do let's go ahead and talk about last year and how last year went they played in the fall they are a 4a team i want to say yep they are and so uh last year they went one and four they only had one dub and that one is ironically against air academy who we talked about earlier in this episode and so let me kind of break down uh their season specifically so one and four one and three in league um their only dub was against Air Academy, where they beat them 65-0, to but their losses were pretty tough here. Lost to Legend, a 5A team, keep in mind, 42-0. to Lost to Rampart, 28-6. to Lost to Pueblo West, 42-20. to And then lost to Vista Ridge, 42-7. to now, the players that they lost, they lost a couple here. Uh, Elijah Ross, he was their leading rusher with 203 yards and a touchdown, so, I mean, you know... Nothing too crazy here. Uh, the defense is losing six of their 11 top tacklers, which isn't bad. You still have five guys coming back, which I think you could live with, including Brendan Murray, who was third in tackles. Um, the next two guys at one and two, their leading tackler and their second leading tackler are still both on the team for this year. So that's a really good sign. It's also important to keep in mind last year, this team recorded no interceptions and had only four sacks. So, you know, not exactly the most productive defense last year. But enough of last year. Let's talk about this season, how it's going and all of that. So currently, this team is an unfortunate and deceiving one and two. One win and two losses. And that's ahead of their game versus Widefield uh, tomorrow night, Saturday, uh, September 18th, 1 p.m. I may or may not be able to make it to that game. We'll just have to see about that, but that should be an interesting one there. And so right now they are 1-2, uh, but 
I think it's a good one and two. And so let me go ahead and break it down. Their first game of the season uh, was also their first dub of the season where they beat Denver South 31 to 28. By the way, Denver South is currently 2-1, and one, and they just beat Broomfield, a team that uh, we did pick as contenders, but we'll just have to see moving forward here. Uh, nonetheless, a good team, though, so there you go. Then the next week, they lost a close one to Palmer Ridge, 30-27. Palmer Ridge is currently 3-0, and they are a contender. Um, that's a tough loss. You know, that was probably a pretty winnable game for them against a young quarterback over there. And so, uh, that sucks, but 30 to 27, not a horrible loss though. And then they lost to Pueblo East 21 to 18. Now that's, you know, that, that's a team that's one and two and they should have beat them. So that's really the only game here where I kind of feel like, um, they were favored in, but they lost it. So that's whatever 21 to 18 probably not their best game there now you may be asking me like okay so how is this team you know one of the top dark horse teams how are they a dark horse playoff team how are they even going to make the playoffs now let me talk about their key players before we talk about playoffs and predicting the record here because i'm just going to be honest i feel like this is the dark horse team to look out for just like how durango last year was the dark horse team to look out for and by the way i predicted that and then they won state you know with jordan wolverton over there and so i think mace ridge is this year's durango but on the 4a level now let me go ahead and talk about their players so I feel like this is probably one of their most important players. He's a very interesting prospect to me, and that is senior quarterback Noah Ramirez. He is one of the most underrated quarterbacks in Colorado uh, and has quietly had a pretty productive season despite being 1-3 right now. Now, the six-foot, debatable, low-key, 147-pound quarterback has seven games ahead of him, and I believe he could absolutely torch the state in these next seven games any offense mason rich finds will be behind noah ramirez who could run and throw the ball mind you he could do it all and so let me talk about his stat line in these last three games so versus denver south their only one of the season went 18 of 36 so you know 50 percent completion percentage but not the worst uh, for 298 passing yards and three touchdowns he also had seven rushes on the ground for 53 w rushing yards and a touchdown Versus Palm Ridge, a little bit of a tougher game, but 7 of 18, 198 passing yards and a touchdown, no interceptions, mind you. And then versus Pueblo East, 19 of 38, 274 passing yards, one touchdown, seven rushes, 29 rushing yards. Now, no Ramirez has not thrown a pick yet this season. He probably will eventually. You know, that's not like... You know, it's, that's just something that's just going to happen. But so far, he has shown that he could pass the ball. He could run the ball a little bit. He had, his best rushing performance was against Denver South, you know, for only 53 yards. But he has some wheels on him. You know, don't get it twisted. He's somebody that could definitely burn a defense. At this point, it's just a matter of which defense he's about to burn on the ground. Because he could also throw it as well. And so, Noel Ramirez here is somebody that I really feel like could potentially come up as you know one of the most underrated quarterbacks and as somebody that could lead a Jordan Wolverton-esque run for this Mesa Ridge team I could really see that happening and that'd be really exciting if that does happen so there you go now the other 
I would say, most important player to the squad. Well, okay, I can't even say most important player. I, I would say the other import, important player to this offense is senior running back, Nico Allgood. Uh, this guy makes up probably the most underrated backfield in the state, to be honest with you. 5'9", 195. He's a tough back. I wouldn't say he's like the most athletic back like an athletic freak like a q jones but he has good vision and he's a good all-around back and he's shown that he could catch out the backfield as well break some tackles you know set up his blocks and all that um he is a good legitimate second option um next to no ramirez here on offense you know he could thrive and well and we've seen this already you know but nico has thrived off of the defense backing off because they have to respect the passing game and when they do that he just picks apart defenses you know and he'll gash them for a good gains here and there i'm talking like seven yard to ten yard gains here and there just by being able to read the defense really good and so that's the kind of back you have and so let me talk about his stat line here these last three games against denver south 18 carries 88 yards one reception for five yards so nothing too crazy Versus Palmer Ridge, only six carries, nine yards, three catches for 16 yards. But he returned a kick for a touchdown and so, you know, showed he could be a good special teams player as well. Then versus Pueblo East, on only eight carries, had 98 yards, two touchdowns. Also had two catches for 41 yards. Had a really nice catch in that game, actually, where he broke it, like, I want to say 30 or some yards there. So, altogether, I would say the stats maybe doesn't do Nico... A ton of justice but i think he's somebody that you know over the course of this season is gonna start stacking stats you know he's gonna start stacking stats and you know gonna have quiet games here and there and honestly i think nico really just thrives off of the success that Noah ramirez has and you know noah could run and throw the ball too and so you know you have to think you know you're trying to cover noah ramirez you're trying to figure out uh, nico all good here you know if you have a quarterback who could run that automatically opens up the game and it makes it harder to guard and so nico he really just thrives off of that and he does his thing he's a very efficient back is what i will say there now next up we have two guys here who play on both sides of the ball and they will be very important to this Mesa Ridge team already have been super important because you know they're just athletes and I'm talking about senior wide receiver slash cornerback Desmond Burden I'll talk about him first he is the lead receiver on this team with 337 receiving yards two touchdowns also has two interceptions he's the co-leader with this other guy we'll talk about it in a second here he is an exceptional secondary player through three games and is just simply one of the best athletes on this team making an impact on both sides of the ball and you know He's a key part of this team, no doubt. Um, just looking at his stat line here versus Denver South, seven receptions, 53 yards, or sorry, 153 receiving yards, a receiving touchdown. He also snagged an interception on the other side of the ball. Versus Palmer Ridge, he had two receptions for 10 yards, so nothing too crazy here. But he did have one rushing yard uh, for one touchdown there. So, you know, used as a rusher there. So he still got his versus Palmer Ridge. Then versus Pueblo East, eight receptions, 174 receiving yards, one touchdown. Also snagged an interception in that game as well. And so Desmond Burden, he, I would say, uh, you know, you could classify as the speedster of this Mesa Ridge team. He's the speedster of this Mesa Ridge team for sure. 
and so he could stretch out defenses and then on uh on defense you know he could lock down some receivers here do a, at least a semi good job against them just having his athleticism and so he plays wide receiver in corner then the other senior i want to talk about is wide receiver slash free safety cash cheeks now this guy is 6'6 200 pounds and wide receiver and free safety he is the other two-way athlete here who has been you know contributing to Mesa Ridge's success and I, and I think he will continue to contribute to this Mesa Ridge team now right now he is the second leading receiver on this team but he also co-leads with two interceptions on the other side of the ball and so he's a productive athlete you know whose stats speak for themselves you know obviously you could look at the film and see a big old 6'6 200 pound you know athlete out there running around with exceptional speed and you know ball skills and whatnot doing his thing but you know let me talk about his stats here before uh before we move on but he's had a phenomenal season on both sides of the ball also by the way second on the team with tackles so versus denver south he had three receptions 65 yards a touchdown also had seven tackles that's two tackles for losses uh one interception and two pass deflections so very productive game against Denver South versus Palmer Ridge. He had one huge reception for 80 yards and then he had 12 tackles. He also had one pick six. It was on the goal line. So it was a, you know, 100 yard return for a touchdown as well versus Palmer Ridge. That was huge. I talked about it. I, I talked about that in the recap. I'm pretty sure I mentioned the cash here. And so, you know, he did his thing and then um, versus Pueblo East. He had five receptions, 74 receiving yards, and nine tackles. And so, between the tackles, interceptions, touchdowns, receptions, receiving yards, you know, he kind of does it all. And at 6'6", 200, you don't find that every day. This is a guy who is a red zone threat, first off. And then second off, as a safety I mean, he could blanket the field, you know, he could definitely just blanket the field and make it very difficult for quarterbacks, you know, and force them to squeeze it into tough spots because he's a 6'6", 200 pound safety back there, which is insane, you know, and then obviously on the goal line, I mean, we saw what he did to Palmer Ridge, he made them pay, you know, he is key on the goal line being 6'6", uh, just being a big dude that takes up a lot of space and, you know, he also returned that for a touchdown as well and so he has some speed to him, you know, he's an athletic dude, obviously, he's not just a slow, you know, tall guy out there, he could run for sure and so he is somebody... <sighs> who I kind of feel like has like MVP energy. Now, obviously, you have No Ramirez, who's a great quarterback, and you have all these other guys here as well. But if anybody was to be like the overall MVP of Mesa Ridge at the end of the season, I could definitely see it being Cash Cheeks. They're 6'6", 200-pound wide receiver and free safety. He just does it all, you know? I mean, what more could you ask? Maybe he could play quarterback and run the ball, but... I mean, you need him at other spots, too, and he just does it all. He's also a great blocker, by the way. So, there you go. Now, the last senior I want to talk about, I talked about him in the I-25 League breakdown just briefly. Um, I, 
I felt like he was probably one of the best players on this team back then. He still is, you know. Um, but obviously, you have other guys who have uh, risen and, you know, taken their spot and are doing their thing over there as well. But you got Elijah Davis, the senior linebacker and running back for Mesa Ridge. He is the leader of the Seymour, one of the leaders of this team. He actually used to be six foot, 230 pounds, but going into the senior season he's slimmed down to 210 pounds and right now he is the sack and tackle leader for the squad and is an absolute beast just like we knew we he would be you know before the season i would say he was already a name to look out for this season not only is he making a name for himself but he's building on top of that you know, just being a great uh, defensive player. He's the heart and soul of this defense uh, at middle linebacker over there. And, you know, he's been giving a lot of opposing teams fits uh, against their running games and whatnot. And even against their passing games as well, leading the team in sacks. And so, you know, they have a very good secondary, I would say, or a good secondary between Desmond Burden and Cash Cheeks. Throw in a middle linebacker like Elijah Davis here. And I think you have a really good defense that could be one of the top defenses in the States, potentially. Now, let me talk about his stats here. So, versus Denver South, he had eight tackles. Palmer Ridge, he had 14 tackles. Uh, that Three tackles for losses, by the way, uh, against that you know monument moving company offensive line, which is huge. And a sack against that monument moving company line. And so... I, I would imagine that would that would have gotten him a couple, you know, college looks here and there if he hasn't gotten more since. And then against Pueblo East, he had his best game, or one of his best games, 16 tackles and a sack. And so, you know, he's a productive dude. You know, we knew he was going to be a beast already. And he could single-handedly shut down a lot of rushing games. You know, and then you already have Cash Cheeks out here who's coming down to make, you know, those tackles. Also, I got to give a shout-out to Carver Cheeks, his uh, younger brother. He's a junior cornerback as well. I think he got a pick against Palmer Ridge, a big one as well. Uh, so, you know, you got him as well. You got players all around. And now, I talked about just the seniors here, but there are juniors and underclassmen who will contribute. Uh, I've already talked about two, a lot of seniors, so I'm not going to go into that. But, you know, this is a team that has depth, that has talent at all levels. And, you know, on offense, they could pass the ball. They could run the ball. They could do a lot of different things there, keep you on your toes. On defense, you know, they have a lot of good defensive players here between um, their two-way players, Elijah Davis. This is a team that looks really good on paper and has performed really well, you know, but couldn't quite get the job done. They haven't lost a game by more than one score so far this season. And so even though they are 1-2 and two right now, that does not mean anything. It just doesn't. To be completely real with you, this is a playoff team that could potentially catch fire and be a dark horse playoff team that upsets teams and can have a Cinderella run season a lot like Durango. And that's just my honest opinion. And also, my honest opinion is that they could also run the table, you know, their next couple games here in the regular season and be a threat in the playoffs. So let me go ahead and talk about it. So Widefield, play him tomorrow, Saturday, September 18th. This should be a dub for Mesa Ridge. Um, I think they're just a more complete team. And, you know, I would not be surprised if they blow this team out 
in an effort to get the season back on track because you know even though one and two doesn't mean anything it means something to a degree so you know you got to even up eventually so boom there you go then they play falcon next week i talked about this game a lot falcon versus mesa ridge this should be a good one but this will be a challenge for mesa ridge i would say falcon is a trap game they have a team that can have an iron grip on the lead once they take it and so it's going to force mesa ridge to play a very clean game in order to beat them this will force them to be disciplined but i still think mesa ridge beats falcon i like mesa's offense a lot more than falcon they could pass the ball so there you go then you got fountain fort carson and this is like the matchup between two dark horse teams here uh in the state you know and i could really see this one going either way but with fountain fort carson losing to chatfield last week because of turnovers they committed on offense and the lack of offensive firepower don't get it twisted it was because of that i talked about that on the recap uh, make sure you check that out if you haven't yet i have mesa ridge just barely beating them but it's gonna take no ramirez and this offense having a good game which i feel like you know will happen another good matchup to look out for is elijah davis you know versus ty vive vive i want to say uh he's the linebacker running back for fans of fort carson this will be a really fun and physical battle to watch a lot of good defense here you know um gonna have like i said gonna go ahead and have mesa ridge just barely edge this one out just because i think their offense is a little bit more complete than them then they play pueblo west another dark horse matchup now Pueblo West got pieced up by Pine Creek, and they got shut down, but Mesa Ridge is not Pine Creek yet. This should be a good game. Mesa needs to make sure they take this game seriously, because um, this could, I don't know, I think Pueblo West is slowly figuring it out over there, and uh, I think by the time they play Mesa, this could be a dangerous game. So I'm going to go ahead and have Mesa Ridge dropping this game in a close one, but I could see them winning this one, though. Just throwing that out there. Then they play Coronado. Rampart, Fuda Monument. These three games, I kind of feel like will depend on how the last three game stretch will go. I'm talking Found or sorry, Falcon, Fountain Fort Carson, Pueblo West. Uh, that three game stretch, but I believe they should beat Coronado, Rampart, and Fuda Monument. Um, I don't know. Regardless of what happens in the last three games, they're gonna have to win these three to make the playoffs either way. And I do think. You know, regardless of what happens, they do win these three games and make it in. And so Mace Ridge, when all is said and done, I have them predicted to go 7-3 and three to end the season. Worst case scenario, you know, just assuming everyone is healthy, worst case scenario. They go 6-4, and four, losing to both Fountain Fort Carson and Pueblo West. But they are 6-4. and four. They've played some good teams on here. I think they'll be battle-hardened going into the playoffs, uh, having played a lot of playoff teams, and I think they're going to be dangerous. Straight up, you know, and it, it's just going to depend how things fold out. You know, for all, you know, we know Noah Ramirez may just not live up to the, the hype and may not throw multi-touchdown games like I feel like he will or, you know, will be a little bit sloppy or the defense will fall apart as time goes on. You know, that could all happen, but... I, I'd be surprised. This is a good team. You know, don't get it twisted. This is a good team. I'm excited for this team. I am very, very confident in picking them as uh, 
uh, one of my favorite Dark Horse teams to watch. This is a team that I really hope to be able to watch one of their games soon here. So, there you go. But that'll wrap up the Spring Spotlight Part 1. I'll probably make a Part 2 covering more teams in the Springs. You know, there are obviously teams that have been requested and whatnot. But this is the end of this Spotlight episode. Uh, just throwing this out there, we have a lot of teams. A lot of teams. That we hope to eventually get to, to eventually do some sort of spotlight episode, talk about in some way, just to name, you know, a few here uh, that have been requested so far. It's Montebello, Coronado, Glenwood Springs. That's that's actually a big one. Pueblo East, Aurora Central, Wiggins, North Glen, uh, George Washington. A, a lot of a lot of Denver teams, to be honest with you. A uh, Golden, that's a big one. Columbine, we kind of talked about them, but. Uh, I, we could talk about them in more depth as well. You know, Rocky Mountain, Douglas County, Boulder, uh, Frederick, Pueblo Central, Longmont, that's a big one. Northridge, that's another big one. We talked about them a lot last year, so it would be interesting to talk about them this year. Uh, Conifer, Sierra, that's a Colorado Springs school that we want to talk about. Silver Creek, you know, that's just to name a few. And so we have those on deck. We're hoping to get to them this season we probably will to be honest with you so there you go but thank you so much for rocking with us remember go ahead and show us some love on our social media that's facebook instagram twitter tiktok as well we'll be posting a lot on tiktok um make sure you subscribe to our youtube channel that's playmakers corner you know and be on the lookout for much more uh, to come here between recaps and spotlights so yeah and if you want to request a school to be spotlighted Go ahead and, you know, send us a DM. Send us a DM. And we'll add them to the list and try to get to them. So, yeah. Regardless, thank you so much for rocking with us. And we'll catch you later on next week's recap.